Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Two, one, it's time for Let's Go Ricky Roll. For those of you complaining that we're an hour later, basically our friends, forget you guys. We're here for you and we're taking care of you, and you're going to love today's show. One, because we have a fun guest in Marco Estrada. Uh, by fun means that we're able to track him down and be joining us pretty soon. Great story here for Southern California. Uh, follow his career closely. And I'm, okay, I'm bearing the lead here. Ricky, forget you. You're cool. I saw you the other day. You're a great friend. You're awesome. But, dude, did you not miss Farmer Tolly last week? Something did, was missing, man. man. Something was missing, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was energy, but there was there was an energy to the max, you know, and 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 he's a big piece of this, and we definitely missed him. All right, totally. Gotta work for a living, boy. No, Some no, no. Gotta work for okay. a I don't know if you were able to hear the podcast last week, but I said that there was probably no Wi-Fi, and you might have cut down the tree that had the Wi-Fi. Is that what happened? That's what happened. True story. <laughs> we're sticking to it. <laughs> uh, no, totally. I just got tied up. I got double booked. I, I sometimes my mind goes uh, faster than uh, what I should really be doing. So I, I apologize to all the fans. I was so bummed because it was Rock. I, he was one of my favorite dudes. I thought the podcast was great. I listened to it because um, I did. I actually had the Wi-Fi, but I, so I was able to listen to it. Uh, but it was good. It was a great podcast. I mean, Rock, the best, best storyteller. He's, he's one of a kind. Dude. Speaking of like. I know exactly what Josh is saying when it comes to double booking or losing your mind. And I'm sure you know too, Bethel, but like there's times where I'm like, all right, I got to do this today, this, 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 this. And then five minutes in, I'm like, wait, what do I have to do? Again? <laughs> like, I just, like my mind is like completely gone with, with the, with, with the kids. And it's like, it's just, I lose track. I, I sometimes hide stuff from Sebastian, like his like toys for like, because he did something wrong or wasn't behaving. And then he'll, the next day he'll be like, hey, can you give me my toy back? And I'm like, dude, I don't know where I put it. <laughs> we all do. That happens all the time, Rick. I, I see, because you, you guys as professional athletes are so used to having a schedule. You know, you got to have your routine and you're, all right, I get to the park at two, I do this, I do this. And then all of a sudden you guys are back to being civilians and it's like, I got to go to Costco, I got to go do this, I got to do that, I got to do 8,000 different things. I got to go to the driving range. And Tolly's, you know, Tolly has a lake. He has a farm. Like, all this stuff, it's a mess. I don't know how you well, survive, Tolly. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, it's real life. I mean, it's like I, I have a thousand things going between travel ball, between Little League, between a couple little job entities that I have, between doing lessons, keeping, like, I mean, up early in the morning planting peppers. Like, that's what I've been doing at 7 a.m. I don't know what you guys were doing at 7 a.m., but that's what I do. Oh my God! Like, yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, that's what you have to do. It you got to do it. So it's like we, uh, you, you do lose track, Rick. It's like I, I mean, I wish you guys would see our calendar. I'm sure it's no different than y'all's calendar, uh, but it's like we're at the Little League Field every night from six o'clock till nine o'clock, five nights a week, and it's like uh, Saturday golf tournament time. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's uh, and all the parents that are listening right now are like, yep. Totally. That's yeah, exactly yeah, what yeah, we're doing. Yeah. And then and then Ricky just finished up T-ball season. 
Uh, Ricky, Ricky, you were only coaching one kid, but how did Diego, the second kid, get on the team, even though he's not old enough to play? Eight, eight kids. Well, I was coaching eight of them. But I mean, I mean, uh, one, one of your, your own kid. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like when, uh, when, when we were going there to to the ballpark, it was honestly, it felt like Diego was part of the team, and we literally would get, we got there on uh, on Saturday, and he just tells Cara, my wife, he goes, "Mommy, run, mommy." Mommy, run. Mommy, run. He must have gave it like 10, 15 laps around the diamond, dude. He just went around and around. He grabs the bat. He grabs the ball. He throws it. He chases it. And it was just like, not, Mommy, run. Mommy, run. Mommy, run. And and he just ran, 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 till it, like he couldn't anymore. And then um, it was cool because it was the last game. They gave him a little trophy. So we had a little like pizza um barbecue kind of type thing and gave them the trophies and and send them send everyone on their way so it was it was, it was cool man it was it was it was like it was the first experience because last year our baseball season got cut short and it was sebastian's first baseball season so he definitely enjoyed it he says daddy i don't want anybody to coach but you so you Aww. better be coaching next year so That's yeah cool. so I, we, we we i told him i kind of want to just sit back i want to do what beto does just pull a chair out and sit back and watch Everyone go to work. You know? yeah, and that's and, what you got to do. That's the best. It's uh, like, I'll, like, like, totally, I was telling my kid is uh, 16 now, and like, you know, he's growing. I don't coach him anymore. I, there's no need for that. He's doing things. And there's uh, Ricky and uh, young Sebastian uh, at their final little league T ball game right there. It's the best, though, right, Tolly? That moment. Yeah. yeah, it's the best. We just finished up little league. We now go to all stars. But, Beto, I do agree with you. Like, I love nothing more than on Saturdays. Like Saturdays in the little league season, it was effectively all of my kids had games throughout the day. So one would be at ten, one would be at twelve forty-five, one would be at three or whatever, and you just bounce field to field and watch them play. Yeah. And it's like the patience, Rick, that you have. I got to give it to you, my friend. <laughs> I got to give it to you. JT, JT doesn't have those kind of patience. I have to tell you. Huh? That's it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, I'm over here asking like I I've been going to my friends' kids' t-ball games because my daughter's 11. She's a soccer player. My son is 16 basketball. So like if I know that somebody has like I like going there and this is what I've been doing. Uh, a friend of mine, he's a comedian, Huda Moreno, and and his kids play 8:30. So I go for my Saturday morning run. And I'll get my coffee and I'll hang out there. And I'm in the outfield heckling the t-ball coach. And like if the kids are running, I'm like, come on, coach. The kid's going the wrong way. And it's usually his kid. I'm like, what are you doing? And like nobody knows me because I'm not part of that team. And it's me and the kid's dad. And we're both yelling at the, the coach. Yeah. What are you doing? Come on. <laughs> we're standing there with coffee. And it's hilarious. It's just fun. It's like, yeah. it's just cool, man. You know, my favorite part, though, my favorite part about coaching and doing that is obviously being around the kids and just – I felt yeah. like a lot of times coaches get so caught up in trying to – like some teams were like show up like 30, 40 minutes before the game and they're taking batting practice or running the bases. By the game, by the time the game starts, they're like done. Our team would literally just show up right on time. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, let's just go out and play. Like I'm not going to – I'm not going to – you can't teach them at the age of five and six. Like, no. like they, 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 they're really not oh, interested. No. Like, the dirt, they'd rather just like do their own thing. So I was like – Let's just go out and have fun. And I think all the kids did that. And my favorite part was um, the last three games, I started pitching to them. Oh. And I'm a fan of the tee. A, a little, a, a, you know, I never taught Sebastian to hit off a tee. I always wanted him to get used to me throwing. So I always felt like he had trouble off of the tee. 
And the last three games when I was pitching to him, it was way better. And I felt like I was more engaging and, and the kids were more yeah, into it. That's cool. Yeah. So that was different. Hey, Rick, though, what about uh, these beautiful Blue Jay socks that uh, Sebastian has? Dude, What's he's cool? had them for like four years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think my boys, I think my boys rock a pair too. But yeah. they must have been given away for free, not huh, Ricky? <laughs> I think they did. <laughs> But yeah, man. I mean, that that's that's the little mascot right there, Diego. I mean, he just he thinks he's part of the team. When we uh, when we did a cheer at the end of the game, he's in the middle of it. When we gave the trophies away, he's raising his hands, acting like he has a trophy in his hands. <laughs> that's what it's all about, honestly. I, I mean, yeah, that's what I enjoy the most. These guys, these kids having fun and just being being kids, man. Like, there's there, you really can't teach any baseball basics yet. Um, but it's more just them enjoying it. And when Sebastian says, Daddy, I want to do it again next season, that's uh-huh. all that matters. That's it. Yeah. Right there. And, and Tolly, you yeah. got that because you're coaching also your son's select team, right? And all of a sudden, yeah, people, it's like he's like 10, but people forget like, hey, it's supposed to be fun still, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I tried to implement at that level, right? Like Little League, they take care of the fun part of it. Travel ball can become so serious when you're playing some of these big tournaments and uh and I tried to instill the fun in them and playing the game the right way and running the balls out and, and those type of things. And I think that's like, that's why I find that more engaging because I don't want my kids to fall into the travel ball. Like, like you said, Ricky, being there an hour before and hitting batting practice and the kid's nine. You know, like, you got to get loose. You're, you're loose. You're nine. And I'm like, <laughs> we hit batting practice to get loose. Like, yeah. You don't need to get loose. You got it. You're a kid. You don't need to run the bases. You're loose. Yeah. It's a, you know, that, that, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, it's like I miss those days kind of, but not really, but it's cool. <laughs> because I, I coached my kids up until they got good. Once they got good and you put them on, like, the all-stars of the select teams, then it's like, all right, here's a good coach right there. I'm, I'm out of yeah. here. Now my job is to take pictures, stay in the corner, and that's it. So you'll like this one. So, like, my son, like I said, he's going to be a junior in high school, and he plays basketball. So it's just – he's not – a, a standout by any means like he's a smart kid we'll probably go d3 or something like that right use that to the advantage so I'm, and i'm telling him no, i'm like dude sure. we're going to these showcases now because coach college coaches and scouts are allowed to be there i'm like hey bro i know you come from a school where you know team first pass and all that bs i'm paying 15 bucks to park i'm paying 15 to enter it's a 50 dollar <laughs> tournament and the league fees if i see you passing i will not take you home you better shoot i don't care if you're getting fouled you are getting paid to shoot here bro and then he he put a one shot and he looked at me like hey that's a bad shot i'm like it's all right i'm right here yeah boy that's a good shot right there <laughs> firing it up oh no, yeah it is, it is true though man you talk about like uh, i call it daddy ball right like, oh, yeah. At what age does daddy ball stop? We, we actually, I, I had this debate with uh, a couple of friends of mine. Um, one might actually be tuned in right now. But um, we were talking about when this stops. And, like, what, what age did, do you think it, it was for, for you and your son? Because I think 13 is almost the cut. Yeah. Like, that's where it's like, okay, we need some real coaches to, uh, to separate the dads being involved in their son playing shortstop and pitching and hitting first or second or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, we, I think it's a big debate in youth sports, and I think that's uh, we're, we're trying to figure that out here, to be honest. Yeah, man. People forget it's supposed to be fun. At every level, though, right? Even in the pro level, as much as it is, like those moments when there's no media, there's no crowd, like you guys talk about a story, like that's the fun that's stuff. The fun stuff. Yeah. 
He's sorry he's late, but he's logging on now. All right, so we'll get with uh, Marco Estrada. I'm glad he kind of like didn't join us right now uh, because, <laughs> I mean, we, like, that's the thing about this podcast. Like I was telling you guys, I listen to different ones all the time, uh, and there's a guy named Keith Ramsey who is the baseball coach at Miracosta High School. He has a good podcast. I, I was listening to it this morning. Um, it's called Heading Home, and uh, we're going to get him on, and I'll talk to you guys afterwards. But Marco Estrada about to join us right now. Let's see if we get him. Does he know how to figure us out? There he is. The one and only. There he is. Oh, man. I'm there sorry, he is. Guys. My fault. There man. he is. No, 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 no. It's all right. It's all right. Let's see here. Let me fix oh, good, this. Man. Here. It's all good. Uh, Marco. How are you guys? Good, man. How are you? Man. Totally, my man. <laughs> Better late than never, right, baby? God bless. Yeah, there we go. All right, so let me introduce you. Marco, we are live right now on Bethel Duran. Uh, Marco Estrada, I'm not surprised you're late because you went to LA Unified School, so. Silmar <laughs> <laughs> Sil- High School, so either like the Very lunch true. tickets didn't work or something was going on in the 818, but we'll be all right. Marco Estrada from Silmar High School, Glendale JC, Long Beach State, Nationals, Brewers, uh, Blue Jays, and now most importantly, on the Let's Go Ricky Roll with Josh Tully podcast. I know you, this is like a career achievement for you, right? Oh, yeah. This is at the very top. Very, very <laughs> oh, top. yes. I love it. Uh, Marco, yeah. just to give you the background, we are not going to ask you anything about baseball today. We don't care. We're not going to ask you, hey, what do you think this team is doing this season? We don't care. It's just okay, about... I wouldn't be able to tell you anything, so... Yeah, uh, us too. <laughs> It's your story, man. It's your story. Uh, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Now, I know you weren't teammates with Ricky, but Tolly is going to start this interview because, Tolly, you said you had a great story right away. Yeah, I have the opener, Marco. Dude, it's so good to see you first off. But my, my opener you. is this. Marco, the first time I met you, do you remember when it was? I do. It was in my first home here in Arizona. You came That's over. Right. Yes, I do remember, actually, yeah. That's right, and they babysat. They babysat Camden, right? Camden was just born. We had, our wives had collect like they had met somewhere, and we meet up. And oh, you play baseball? Yeah, we all play baseball. So this is wonderful, right? And then we're like, by the way, we have a party. Do you mind watching our kids tonight? <laughs> <laughs> that was my first introduction with Marco. <laughs> and then we became teammates. Well, then we became teammates um, in Toronto, and that was. Uh, that right there was dynamite. How much fun was that season, Marco? Oh, the best, man. We had a blast. Uh, I will add to that story, though. The first time I met Tolly, I was like, man, this is like the nicest Christian human being. I, that's what I was thinking. He didn't curse. He didn't do anything. I'm like, man, I, all right, this is going to be a super nice guy. And then I found out who he really was. And then we became teammates. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there's a different beast that comes out in the clubhouse, Marco. You know how that is. No, yeah. yeah, we had, we had uh, Toronto years, man. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Hey, I mean, what a what a career, too. That was, that's freaking, uh, I mean, unbelievable. We were just talking about you were pitching in the postseason, and it, like, it puts chills in my, like, up my back because of uh, the big games you pitched in and uh, I we had two yeah. on and we did the same thing. We just reminisced and it was like, holy shit! It just brought back the old memories of those teams and it's like Tula, uh, that's Tula, what I miss. Tula, Tula, Tula spent a whole hour clowning Tully, Marco. The whole hour clowning uh, just, me, Marco. <laughs> it was like that all year. I mean, 
Yeah. yeah. No, but part, of, part of the reason why I wanted to have you on, Marco, well, obviously your story is unique, bro. You, you came from the Valley, Silmar High, and then, you know, you took the route, you know, going to junior college and then ending up at a, at Long Beach State. And that's kind of where I, I, I saw you. And then obviously we got drafted the same year. And then to get to the big leagues, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that we talk about here is, you know, how everyone's so focused on these Division One scholarships and D1 or nothing, D1. And baseball's become, I feel like, so focused on that, that, that we're forgetting that, hey, it's okay when you, when you watch the big leagues, you know, and you watch a lot of big leaguers, you guys know that it's junior college players, it's NAIA kids, it's D2 kids. And, and, and you know, part of that, man, I, like my, my respects to you for, for all your achievements when it came to that, you know, you, you grind it away. I mean, how was it for you? Like, the, at, what, at what point did you think you were going to be a big leaguer? Or like, did you, did you think, oh, I'm good at this, I can, I can take it to the next level? First of all, thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, it was a grind. It was a crazy, crazy grind. But uh, you know what? Everything worked out. Um, yeah, uh, my initial goal was just let's let's try and get college paid for. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to go anywhere. I didn't make varsity till my senior year of high school. Uh, no way. So, and uh, so I, I was just thinking, if I can just find a way to get school paid for, because at the time, you know, Silmar didn't make me feel like I was any good, which sucks. But um, so, you know, my, my goal was let's get college paid for. Uh, so I went to junior college. I knew it wasn't super expensive. But it's something that I'd be able to do and maybe get some money that way uh, in terms of baseball. Um, and things worked out there. And then. Luckily, I played well enough to get school paid for, and that was my goal. Um, and then probably about halfway through that season, I was thinking to myself, man, maybe I, I might be able to get drafted here. Um, so let, let's keep pushing, you know, try to get the grades, but let's, let's push baseball a little bit harder, and maybe things will, you know, maybe I can get drafted and at least get a nice little bonus where I can just, you know, put it away, save, and, and make something of it. Uh, you know, and that year ended up being pretty good for me. Got drafted. Uh, and then once I got into minor leagues, I was like, all right, well, I did what I wanted to. And I, I stuck my first year or two. I, I could not figure out a, a minor league baseball. It was, you know, my curveball just wasn't the same. Didn't have any other pitches. So I, I started messing with a changeup. And once I picked that up, then I told myself, all right, let, let's try this pitch out. We're in low A, high. Uh, went into double A the, the that next year with the changeup, and just things took off from there. I was like, "Oh my god, I might be able to do something with this." And sure enough, yeah, it, I guess the rest is history. And and this is this is a thing about and Marco knows this. Fullerton, Long Beach at the time, this they they almost got players that nobody really knew about. And 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 when Mar I remember when Marco threw against us in because uh, you were there as a junior, right, Marco, not as a sophomore. Yeah, and I remember he was throwing against us, and I was like, Marco Estrada, like, where, where did this guy come from? And he is just carved us, man. It's, it's him, Cesar Ramos, and and they're just, you know, they're, they're you know, going at it against us. And, and that was the beauty of, 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 of those matchups always. It was great pitching and Marco uh, coming out of nowhere. Marco, and you also played with Al Quintana at Glendale, right? Al Q is – Oh, Al Q. Guy, man, one of the greatest human beings ever created, man. This guy just does everything right. He, he's the man. 
Yeah. He really does. He really does. So. Yeah. Uh, Al Quintana yeah. runs uh, Legends Baseball Academy in Pasadena where Ricky would throw Tolly. And I kid you not, the nicest person I've ever met. And I've never heard anybody say one bad thing about him. And then you talk to Al, like, hey, Al, you were a legit catcher. He goes, oh, I was on teams. <laughs> like, you were in AAA, dude. Like, you're legit. He's like, yeah, but, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They, call, they call that humble. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> but, but, yeah. I, the, I, I, oh, go ahead. No, go, no Rick, go, finish, finish what you were no, saying. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just saying, watching, watching your change-up, over those few years, I mean, I always know even when you were in Milwaukee and playing against you that you always had a good changeup. But I saw something over those years that was so special. Do you think in your mind it was different then than it was when, even as you were coming up through professional baseball? Because that was uh, well, that was like Johan Santana's style Milwaukee Twins uh, changeup. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's weird because when I figured out the changeup in minor leagues, that's what got me to the major leagues. I get to the major leagues and I don't want to shake anybody. Well, all they're calling is fastball curveball. And I'm going, yeah. man, I need to say something that I don't really like my curveball. We we just never went to it. And it didn't go so well with Washington. So then I get uh, ruled five with Milwaukee. And even then, my first year or two, I didn't really use it as much. And I think as I think it was 2011 where I finally started using it, and then things just got a lot better for me pitching wise. Um, it took a couple of years, you know, in the major league to actually save and get that change of going because everybody thought I was a fastball curveball guy. Um, yeah. And and then sure enough, you know, especially once I went to uh, to Toronto, changed my mindset. Still had the same change up. I thought just decided to make it my pitch. Um, that's what things really took off. And, you know, you, you were there for 15. And, um, it, just, it was a completely different – that was with Mark Burley. You know? Right, yeah. Right, that's what I was about to say. Like, I think there was two people that I watched. Uh, number one, tell the people about the influence that DeAndre Navarro had because – I was a personal catcher for a guy, and I, I'll just say that he was probably as close to a personal catcher as you can. I've never seen two dudes mesh like Marco and Navi met. Wait, Donald Navarro, he was like five foot six, right? That guy? Yeah, he was like up to my waist. But let me tell you, you want to talk about another great human? He goes right at the top of that list. Oh, yeah. Huh? yeah he, was with the, he was with the Dodgers for a little bit. Oh. And I, because so I spoke Spanish, he was like, cool. Then one day he's like, hey, I'm going to Disneyland tomorrow with my family. And I'm like, all right, cool, bro. Like, because I was like the only Mexican reporter around there, right? Mark, I'm a reporter here in LA, so I'd be in the clubhouse, and I look. I remember him talking. And I'm like, I didn't want to be a jerk, but I'm like, bro, like, don't you know how far Disneyland is from Dodger Stadium? He's like asking me direction. I'm like, this is another day and a half for you, but he got there. <laughs> so that was your guy, yeah. Diana. Yeah. Was, so was Russell and Tony. Uh, you know, with Russell, um, they they kind of just threw Navarro at me one day, and. I threw a great I, – I don't remember the first game I pitched with him, but I know it was a good day. And they kind of just said, hey, let, let's keep using Navarro. And the more I, I pitched to him, the more comfortable I got. And just the thinking part of the game went completely away from me. I, I didn't have to think anymore. I let him call everything. I, I didn't <clears> shake him more. 
if you saw me shake, it's because he would ask, he would tell me to shake um, because I, I didn't shake again for the, I think the rest of my career. Um, <clears throat> but it was, it was him. It, it was between Burley uh, kind of showing me that having that mindset uh, to, to slow down the game, make it easier for you. It's hard enough as it is. You know, the, the scouting reports that the team gives you is one thing, but they, they don't – like, who else threw slow like me and, and had a right-handed chain? It's not a lot of guys. So you can't really scouting report the, the 95 on our start. I mean, I just didn't have any of that. Um, what was your spin rate? I mean, yeah. <laughs> your spin rate. Spin rate, yeah, good spin rate. Um, said, hey, uh, let's just try to remember the little things that, that worked for you and then – Forget about everything else. Whatever the catcher tells you to throw, throw it with conviction. And I, I, that's what changed my career right there is, is having the conviction behind every single pitch, no matter what it was. And there were a few times where I I kind of would disagree with it. And instead of stepping off, I would make the pitch, but there's no conviction. And I swear, most of those times it was a home run. Yeah. It's, it's crazy work. Not that's having true. That, that's true. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, just the second the second you doubt yourself on that mound, you're like, oh man, like I don't want to throw this pitch. I know what pitch is the right pitch to throw, but he put this down. I don't want to shake. Here you go. And the next thing you know, yeah, it's it's, it's gap or over the fence somewhere. Um, but the pitches I had the conviction behind, I swear, there's only a few where were hit hard. You know, for the most part, when you were committed, hundred percent conviction. It just it would work out for me a lot more than second guessing. See that that's that's, a, you, that's real baseball talk right there, totally. Yeah, I'll, hey, and I'll tell you this, and 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 Mark will back me up here because he he was he was in it firsthand. If I'm if I'm starting a baseball team right now, Gianna Navarro is my starting catcher. Like, just the guy was like a wizard. He gets no credit for it either. Hell, the guy's been limping around trying to find jobs. I think. Over, I think he's now retired. I haven't spoken with him in a while. But, like, this is a guy that has unbelievable knowledge of game calling. I've been in, I was in the game for a while, and I, I felt like I had a good grip on game calling. But I'd sit on the bench and talk to him when Russ would be catching, and we would just talk about sequences and, hey, what would you see? How'd you do it? And, like, he was so good at that. And, you know, I know we laughed at Marco, but he's like, Marco's stuff was high fastballs, change up occasional breaking ball. But he always knew the spots to flip the breaking ball in when I can use it. I mean, Al Barco, that one year you could have told the guys the changeup was coming and they were swinging and missing at it, right? Thank you. You're right. All these humble people on here, damn it. (laughs) Say you're nasty, Marco. I was nasty, remember? How many times I told you how nasty I was in a buck 50? Totally, totally. Let me, let, let me tell you this, totally. So where we grew up, so I grew up in Carson, Ricky, East LA, Marco, and Silmar. And I think I saw you pi- pitch in high school, Marco, if I'm not mistaken. Because um, I was coaching at Carson, uh, I think, when you were in high school, whatever. Anyways, um, for any of us from LA Unified, that's our school district, to get to any professional level of anything, totally, is like, damn, you guys made it. Let alone two pitchers at Long Beach and Fullerton at the same time. And you got me as a reporter. So... This right here is this fake humbleness because I walk around like, man, hell yeah, I made it. What, fool? Like, <laughs> we're, we're not, because we're told. Fake humbleness. I no, like it. Because we're told we're not supposed to. Look, Ricky played at a high school where they didn't have a field. 
And uh, Marco, your high school, they had the old cage on top. It's not these open fields. Like, it looked yeah. like chain link fence. It's like like the yards you play at for Little League are way better. Like, so scouts don't come to Silmar. They don't go to East L.A. So, Marco, when you get to the minor leagues and you get drafted, did you ever be like, what the fuck? Where am I? Like, you're you're in Binghamton, New York. Like, there's no tortillas there, bro. Like, there's, there's no, right. like, the people are eating black beans, not be- brown beans. Like, it's different, right? Oh, man, completely different. I ended up in Vermont. And, Vermont, you know, yeah. I, was gonna... I mean, holy smokes. I'm talking about a 100-plus-year-old stadium, terrible place. And, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I'm professional now. We're going to have some awesome fields to go to. And I end up there, and I'm going, wow, this, this is the clubhouse. <laughs> the near clubhouse. The clubhouses were nice, Rick, uh, uh, Marco? Clubhouses no. were really nice, I'm sure, huh? To reiterate what Beto was saying at our field in East LA, we we used a county field because we didn't have a high school field and we didn't even have a mound, JT. No mound. It was it was flat. It was flat. So when we'd go to other high schools, like nice high schools that had a mound, it was like thank you. And I remember when I first when I first signed uh in toronto i think somebody was trying to fix the mound and and they're like hey is this is this they asked me they're like is this good and i was like come on bro i was like i come from LA where i didn't have mounds growing up this is per- like you ain't got to do anything more and, it, and it's true it's you you're you're content with whatever they give you when you first sign you're just like oh my god this is cool and we're gonna play in cool stadiums like like marco said i show up to the new york pan league in auburn new york and it's like wait Take me back to Fullerton. (laughs) (laughs) Long Beach has unbelievable mound, like all that stuff. Like it was just completely different. Yeah, we were spoiled in Long Beach with that mound and the the stadium, especially back then when we played. That stadium was the graveyard. I mean, yeah, you know, so it's a pitcher's dream. Um, It was a lot of fun getting a chance to play there for sure. Marco, when you get drafted, um, how did that happen? Like, how did the phone call go? Where were you? Like, what, what was that day like uh, for you? Oh, yeah. Um, so I had been getting a lot of calls. You know, you're going to go from, you know, second or fifth round, this and that. And I'm going, man, that's awesome. Well, so I'm paying attention, you know, because we didn't have any of the MLB network stuff or any of that. Um, so I was on the computer just, you know, watching the, the, the ticker go by. And all five rounds passed me. And I'm going, wait a second. I didn't get drafted. Like, everybody told me fifth would be the latest. This sucks. Like, I'm over it. I don't even want to see it anymore. So I actually went to my room, just started watching TV. And my mom and my girlfriend at the time, uh, well, she's my wife now, but my girlfriend then, she, <laughs> and my mom, see, and they're like, hey, we completely missed it, but you were drafted. I was like the third or fourth pick or second pick in the sixth round. So I just missed it. I walked away. No one knew I got drafted. Until, like, one of my other teammates gets drafted. And I'm going, wait, he got drafted before me? And they're like, oh, shoot, we missed it. You were already drafted. I'm going, oh. So it was, it was like a bittersweet moment. Like, obviously, I was excited. But I was like, damn, like, I didn't even see who, it go by. Who did you think you were going to? Who, were, who was the team that was locked in that was, you were like, oh, this is, this is where I'm going? It was Washington, I'll tell you that. I didn't talk to him one time, which is crazy. Really? Uh, and I remember I kept all, you know, all the, 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 
letters you get from each team, the questionnaires and all that. I had, I didn't get anything from Washington, so I, I definitely didn't expect them at all. Uh, I was thinking like Anaheim or Dodgers or you know some sort of California team, but no, it was the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how did you? So your mom and your girlfriend tell you, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Four years earlier, you couldn't even make the starting rotation at Silmar. Like the Spartans didn't give you a spot. You you told J- Glendale JC, hey, I'm coming here. They didn't recruit you. You went on your own. Like you're in Long Beach. Um, they so. Eddie Camacho, which I think you guys know. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Eddie Camacho. Wait. What's Eddie Camacho doing? Oh, my God. The best dancer ever, Eddie Camacho. Eddie Camacho, that's right. No. That dude, he, Camacho works with Al Q. Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay, oh, so my Eddie, God. Um, they were at Glendale already, and I think they had mentioned my name. And I think that's why I was recruited oh, okay. by Strauss, John Strauss at the time. He was a manager there. Um but I, I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for them two saying something, I, I probably wouldn't have got looked at. No way. See, oh, yeah, so it's like, thing. what's going on? You're trying to figure things out. There it is. But that day, once you did realize, fuck, I got drafted. Like, what were the emotions like for you? Well, the first thing that came into my mind was, man, I've never really left California. Uh, <laughs> now I have to go to York. Or no, sorry, on. And I have like a week to get out of here. Like, so it, 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 I was excited, but like nervous. You know, I had never left. The furthest I had gone was Long Beach, 45 minutes drive. <laughs> You're such a Mexican. Such a Mexican, yeah. man. <laughs> like, here, man. like two homes, you know? So I was used to that and I was leaving my bubble. So I was, yeah, I was nervous, uh, but excited. And once I got out there, I was like, man, this, this kind of sucks right now. But it took me a few days. I got used to it. And, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. Now, do you, you go from Washington and you become a, a Rule 5 draft pick. And then you go uh, to the Brewers, correct? Yep. Who was – when you get to the big leagues there, how was that call-up? Like, um, take us back through that to that time where, you know, obviously you talked to us about the draft. What about that call-up when, when you finally get the call to, to go up to the big leagues? How was it? Who'd you call? or Was yeah, it emotional? I got, I got called up with Washington. And, oh, you did? Um, yeah. And uh, it was cool because I, I walked into the clubhouse and the manager calls me in. I'm going, all right, what did I do? Like, am I in trouble? I, I don't remember doing anything wrong, but what's up? And the guy, hey, I don't know if you saw, um, there's a trade. And I think they traded Luis Ayala, I forget to what team, for someone, and he goes, um, well, I guess you're part of that trade. I'm like, dang, I got traded? All right, well, <laughs> where am I? He's like, no, 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 I didn't say you got traded. I said you're kind of part of that because he's leaving. You're getting called up. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I called my girlfriend, my mom, and uh, it, it was emotional. I, it was something that I just I didn't expect. You know, I was having a good year, but I figured, you know, I'd, I'd probably need another year under my belt in the minor leagues to – really get going and um it just kind of it was unexpected for sure because it was at the time there was a lot of triple a you get called up out of triple a triple a yep who marco who are the veteran guys on that team what year was that 2008 2008 2008 god i can't even remember names i'll tell you right now don't worry marco that's what i'm here for baby you you just keep telling us the good stories Zimmerman was a franchise. 
He he was a yeah. he he was Zim would have just got there, right? Yeah, Zim 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 was called up right away after he got drafted. So you got Aaron Boone, Felipe oh, really? Lopez, Ryan Zimmerman, Willie Harris, Lasting Millage, Austin Kearns, uh Willie Mo Pena, whatever that guy. Yeah. Uh Dimitri Young, Paulo Duca. Uh pitchers wise, you had Marco Estrada, Tyler Clippard, John Rosh, uh Chad Gordero, Chief, Odalis oh, Perez, Jason wow. Bergman, Sean Hill. Uh, Ray King. Oh, Ray King, that lefty. Oh, yeah. Ray King. <laughs> so you have some veterans on that team. Who, who took you under your under their wing? Like, who took you under your – like, that was like, hey, um, come, come follow me. What's that? Who who took you under their wing? Like, what pitcher when you got called up? Or was were you kind of alone and kind of shy? I mean, did you know some of the – because you, you probably hadn't been to big league camp yet, right? Nope. No big league camp. Um, so I didn't know anybody. And then yeah. – uh, Press took me under his wing. Um, even though he was a starter, he still kind of took care of me. Um, and, you know, back then, the hazing was allowed. And I had it kind of rough coming up because I was I was the only guy. You know, I wasn't a September call, but I was in August. So it was like, all right, we got one, and we're going to rip him apart. Basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's sweet. That's sweet, right? And it finally got to the point where, you know, guys were asking me to go get them food or a drink or this and that. And O'Dallas is like, dude, like, you get up. You got arms and legs. And, and if you look at those guys, some of those pictures on that lift, they didn't have time. Um, yeah, not, they didn't have much time. They were kind of around your age, too. Exactly. And they were the ones. Yeah, mine are Ray King. My, Ray King uh, could do whatever he wants. He's 34 at that time. Yeah. I, if he wanted something, I went and did it. You know, actually, uh, to your point, Marco, uh, the only person over 30 was Ray King. Pictures, yeah. right? So imagine you know you're getting hazed by all these young guys that are probably about the same age you are, but because they had a couple months in the big leagues, it was kind of hard. And I, and I would do it, but Odalis was like, "No, this isn't happening." Like, so you. I, kinda, I hope. He, I hope the chief treated you right, man. Yeah, so I didn't <laughs> get to play with, um, and I, I I talked to him a few times. He was a great guy, but yeah, I didn't really get to uh, play with him. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he was hurt that year. I never saw him. Probably. Yeah. Uh, John Roush? Roush, man. Roush took me out to dinner a few times. Great guy. Yeah. Big, intimidating, man. He's scary. He's out and <laughs> great guy, though. He, he, he told me one time in spring training with the Mets, he says he was getting rocked. I don't even know if he got it out. And he says to me, he comes in the dugout, throws his glove. Oh, you've got to call my slider. I looked him, and I was a young kid. I, I, I was just over it. And I said, hey, your head goes like this, too. <laughs> as much as it goes like this, it goes like this. House is like 6'10", 6'11". Yeah, 6'10", eyeballs, like eyes, tattoos everywhere. You're like, oh, this guy's going to kill me. But he just, it, it just went on for like 10 minutes. I gave him the first five minutes. I said, okay, I won't say anything. I'll use his slider more. Next time I catch him, I never caught him ever. So I don't know what the guy did. Like Mark, I'd be like me putting down a curveball for you every pitch. You're like, yo, I don't throw that many curveballs. I just didn't know, right? So I yeah. said, Roushy, come on, your, your head works in both ways. He was totally. my teammate. In, he was my teammate in Toronto, and I. And <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it. Okay, uh, back to the Marco Estrada story. <laughs> 
I know for a fact. Though, I know for a fact we had Frank Francisco on the team, and I know there was a few times where he challenged them to to go behind the the left field wall and, and really drop him. Yeah, there was a few times. Uh, but he, he just treated me. That's all. Because you're a nice, humble kid from Silmar, man. Everybody yeah. nice to you. As a monster, I'm not going to say wrong to him. That's why. <laughs> I'm, a nice, I'm a nice guy, too, right, Marco? You said that at the entry of the show. I was a nice yeah. guy. I Real. was a nice guy. Real. <laughs> you are. You are. You are. Hey, Marco, you get to uh, Major Leagues, you see a uniform with your name on it. How did you feel? Oh, man. It took me a while to, like, I was in such awe. Um, I just wanted to see the entire stadium. And I think it was the – it might have been the first year that that – no. I don't remember what year they had that stadium, but it was pretty new. And I just wanted to see the entire thing. So it took me a while to get to my locker. Um, once I got there, I, I just – I couldn't believe the size of the locker. And the jersey might have been the last – to be honest with you, and I just I was trying to take everything in. I ran into the kitchen just to see what kind of food they had. Uh, <laughs> man, I, you know this is big leagues. So, it, yeah, it was it was surreal. Something you'll never forget for sure. And um, Mark was actually when he went to Toronto, Beto, uh, he was actually traded for Adam Lynn. Oh yeah, big yeah. guy, another big guy. Yeah. So I'm, Adam, Adam Lynn for, for Marco. One see, for one. And Marcus, you can tell we go down memory lane and uh you know totally have some good stories. Ricky's got stories. The first time you got on the showbird, the big league plane, what were you wearing? I, well, I wore a suit. Um and that's the one thing I remember that I didn't like. No one got me a suit. And no so way. I mean, yeah, I mean sure, like as soon as a rookie comes up, hey, what do you want? Like because I, I would watch guys buy suits for other guys, and it never happened for me. I don't know why. Same here. See, that, hey, that's what, that's, but that's what's horseshit. And I've told veteran guys this before. You want you want me to go get your food and your drink and get your luggage off the off the back of the truck at three o'clock in the morning when we get into a hotel, but yet you don't you don't get guys anything. I was lucky. Our my veteran guys that. I had to do that every freaking road trip, carry their bags on and off the plane and get them off the truck at four in the morning. Like they always took care of me. So I was fortunate in that way. That's, that's horseshit, Marco, because you do all that work and they want to bust your balls the whole time. At least, at least treat my guy, something, give them a nice little Lutron bag or something. This is what I was told. I was told this. I was, I won't mention any names. I won't mention any positions, but this is what I was told by a veteran guy. When I made the team, they're like, he's a first-rounder. He can afford his own suit. I'll never, forget that. I'll never forget that. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I could. I'll, I'll, don't worry. I got I got myself. Don't worry. I, I'll, right. I'll go get it. All right. Yeah, but it, wasn't a it just in the memory. Like, I was like, all right. <laughs> Marco's like, I wasn't a first-rounder. I wasn't on TV. I didn't even see my name on the computer, man. <laughs> Shit, I didn't even see me get drafted. What the hell? That's great. Hey, but, but, all right, so, Marco, when you get on the plane, though, come on, man, this ain't Southwest. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, the Showbird, I mean, it, I've never seen planes look like that. You know, you used to fly in Southwest with three seats next to you or whatever, and you show up. And the plane we had that year with Washington was, like, one of the best planes I've actually ever ridden on. You had the, the huge tables, you know, the rounded couches. and um, Whoa. 
Eric decides to tell me, hey, uh, rookies sit in the back. So you guys know veterans sit all the way in the back. So here I go. And I... <laughs> oh, no. I love it. And sure enough, a veteran comes up to me and goes, hey, rookie, what the hell are you doing here? Get your ass up there. I'm like, oh. I go to that guy. I'm not trying to call anybody out. So I just – I go up to this guy. And this guy had a few months in the league too. I'm like, dude, what's your problem? Like, why would you do that? Like, just made me look bad in front of everybody. And he just starts laughing. I'm like, ah, I guess it's the way it is. So my first day wasn't a great experience. But, yeah, the flight was unbelievable. Guys were playing cards. And, you know, expensive alcohol come out. And, and just the food yeah. was amazing. Everything. Yeah, it was a, it was awesome. Marco, wine, wine, whiskey, or beer on the bird? Well, now I it's know, whiskey. I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> Marco, always bring that nice bottle of nice bottle of scotch for us. Yeah, yeah. So I switched from scotch to bourbon. Obsessed with bourbon. I've got a huge collection now, and I, it's almost a problem. I, I need to slow that one down. That's right. That's right. We're good. Marco, yeah, I'll tell you what, after this, I'll text you my address. I got plenty of room in my basement for the stuff that you don't want. I told Beto the same thing, and he sent me some, so that was nice of him. That's gone. Oh, Marco, some- hold on. Marco, Marco, do you know anything about Tolly's life right now? No. Oh, let me fill you in, my man. Okay, so. <laughs> the allows- this where you're going with the or- no, 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 no. Let, let, me, let me fill you in on, uh, on Tolly here. Um, so Ricky and I have been doing this podcast for a couple of years and you're one of the original names that we wanted to get on. We just could never find you because you don't exist anywhere on the internet. Like we can't find you anywhere, which is good for you. Except baseball reference. That's the only place. Baseball reference. Yeah, yeah. And I'm good yeah. at finding out stories about everybody. There's You don't exist, bro. So congratulations. Um, yeah. So Ricky <laughs> and I were talking. Ricky's like, hey, Tolly's a great storyteller. Maybe we can add him to the podcast. We had taken a break. And I'm like, yeah, Tolly's awesome. He was one of our original guests. He's fantastic. So Tolly was in the Yankees organization last year. He's not officially retired, but he he's out there, right? So we find out that Tolly, I knew him as a guy that played for the Mets, Upper West Side, lived all over. The dude lives on a farm in upstate New York. He is now Farmer Tolly. If you text him today, he'll respond three days from now. He has no service. He has his own pond. He's building a schoolhouse. He chops trees down. Uh, he knocks down chimneys, and he's growing habaneros. Am I wrong, Tolly? <laughs> You're spot on. You're spot on. Chopping trees, though, Marco. Let's talk about chopping trees real quick. Chopping trees is a little more than chopping trees. This is a big logging expedition that we do. This is like bulldozers and skitters. This isn't like, oh, we cut down some little sapling trees and they fall down. No, we're talking like 200-foot ash trees right now. Come tumbling off the hill. That's not the totally I need. See? Exactly. (laughs) Stop there. People yeah, change, Marco. They change, bro. Marco, change. Hey, it's what this world's about. Change. People change. It I is. change. I change. It, <laughs> I love it, Marco. Marco, I love it. Yeah, as, as, as we said, as Beto said, like, it's just nice, like, now that I'm not playing, it's nice to, like, just kind of be somewhat secluded. You During the season, and, and you guys can speak to this, for goodness sake, like, it's just people nonstop. Every day is people, 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 fans, people, 185 days straight, 200 days straight. It's like you just want a little uh, serenity, and that's uh, – I found it. I found it in Binghamton, New York. Yeah, and this last year and a half has been my favorite year and a half, even though we – I mean, obviously the pandemic and 
Um, it's terrible what's, what's going on in the world, but things are getting better now. But I will say for me, being home, forgetting about baseball, the pressure, all that stuff, man, it's been, it's been nice. It's been really That's nice. what I say. I, I don't have to go home for four anymore. That's the nicest thing. <laughs> I, have a, I have a shitty day at golf. It doesn't really matter. I go in the clubhouse, grab a six-pack, and uh, call it good. Hey, Mark, as Tulo said, this guy acts like he uh, he was an everyday catcher and it was very stressful. <laughs> Tulo said he had to catch one guy, one guy only. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't hey. talk to that way. Hey, Marco, Marco, Tulo gets on. He says, oh, my God, you were the worst Major League Baseball player I've ever played with ever in my life. He said, you, you, you screw off for four days. Then all of a sudden, oh, now you got to catch. Now you're locked in. He said, then you got another four days off to Screw off you for another four days. Harding rotation uh, program. We'll yeah, it was five days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Marco hung out a lot on the bench. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of Marco Estrada stories on the bench. You were perfect, Tony. You're oh, yeah. and, and you both of you guys were part of those years and, and I love hearing stories about, about those years. Tulo told some good stories about those those teams that were close to, to reaching the World Series. And Marco, I was telling Tolly before you came on that it was uh, I read something somewhere on a Jay's website somewhere on a blog and they were saying that you were probably one of the most clutch pitchers in Blue Jays history. Um and when you take us back to those years, what what's the first thing that comes to mind as far as a team and, and the team that you guys assembled? Because that team was freaking loaded, man. And I got released in fifteen, so I, uh, I I got to watch it all from uh, from TV from my TV back home. So what what's the one thing that jumps out? Like I mean, you guys came so close to to reaching the that special place that everyone dreams of. Yeah, and. You know, the, the one thing, it's it's almost regret, right? You look back and you see that team and you think, how did you guys not sweep the entire everything, like the playoffs, the, the World Series? How did you not take it all? Um, it's been it's been a letdown because I, I still think back to that year. I'm going, I, you know, look up the roster, see who was there, and I'm going, how did we not win? How did we not win the entire thing? We were yeah. stacked, completely stacked. You know, and hats off, obviously, to Kansas City. They were obviously stacked. A uh, bunch of great players. I just thought – I thought we were better. And hey, uh, yeah. at least on paper, right? Like, we had all the big, huge names. Where, yeah. where, were, where were you sitting when Bautista hit the home run? Man, that one – also, another thing <laughs> – I had just gone to the restroom. They th they they asked me if I could uh, if I had an inning or two in me. So they they threw me in the bullpen because uh, I can't say no. So I went to the bullpen. I went to use the restroom. As I'm coming back, all I see is the ball up in the air and the crowd going nuts. So I like I basically <sighs> missed. <it. laughs> because, because all I've all I've heard and all the players that I've ever talked about was that's the loudest they've ever heard the stadium. One hundred. I mean, and we've been to a lot of places, heard a lot of crowds. Nowhere has been anywhere near as loud as that. That bad. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that place, that place was rocking. Oh, rocking. Yeah. yeah. It was that nuts. Was, yeah, that was. I don't know. Do you guys hey, think how about, it had, how about the eleven and zero run? How about the eleven game winning streak we had? That? Something that always stands out. I've never done anything like that on a team who, where you rattle off eleven in a row. I mean, 
You you talk about getting on a plane flight after you've just won six in a row. You get on the plane to go to the next city, and then you go to the next city, you kick the shit out of that team for three days, and then you hop on the plane again, you go to that city, kick the shit out of that team for three days. That was kind of like our – that was our MO. I mean, that's what it was, right? I, and that I remember – I remember losing the one game we lost during that span or that 11-game winning streak that once we broke it. I remember everybody's mentality was like, you know, they, they got lucky, fluke, we're just going to go on it again. And, and I think we went on a nice little run again. But it was like nine. Was, it was like, oh, we're going to win four or five. Anybody, who cares? It was crazy. I've never been on a team that Yeah. <clears throat> it was wild. So much fun, though, wasn't it? It was the best time. I wish we could. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It is a little bit of a letdown, like Marco says, though. It's crazy because it's like being on those teams. And I, I mean, I, I was just, I wasn't even active for the postseason. I was just the class clown that kept the morale up, you know? <laughs> but it was, uh, it was, it felt like, holy shit, there's nobody's ever going to beat us. And when we did get beaten, Kansas City had a great team that year. But I mean, you go back and you think of the play in the little triangle between Gogo and Bautista when a fan yelled, I got it, I got it. And they both pulled up, like that. That was kind of the that was the end, you know. It was like holy shit. If Batista doesn't hear anything, catches the ball, or Gogo catches it, what exactly, happens? and and win the series, and then sweep the 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 Mets like Kansas City did. Yeah, yeah. is that what really happened? Is that what really happened? A fan, a fan. They 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 thought a fan a fan yelled, "I got it, I got it," and they got confused. All right. I believe so. I believe that's the story, right? Because they were both going back on it, and nope, neither guy said anything. They, that's just how you r- run those plays, right? The outfielder yeah, yeah. goes, was, the outfielder uh, goes underneath, and the infielder goes over top. Yeah. And the fan yelled, "I got it!" And I think they both they both pulled up. I, I mean, I don't know. They they can confirm it, but I believe that was the story. Oh, field advantage. That's what it's about. I mean, I, I feel like that had a little bit to play it with Elvis Andrews too in Toronto and all that stuff happened. And he started. When does Elvis Andrews make errors? You know, and and it seemed like that that game in, against Texas when you guys that the, the the bat flip game. It just seemed like the guy couldn't feel the ground ball all of a sudden. Yeah, that was crazy. Think, that's actually the craziest inning I've ever experienced. Um, with everything that happened, you know, the play before where Russell throws the ball, hits Chew uh, yeah. on the bat, scores, next inning, bloop here, error there, misplay, like, what is going on? It was nuts. <laughs> and then the bat flip happened. Yeah. God. It was- hey, hey, real quick, real quick, Marco. I, I, this is something that we did, I meant to talk to Tulo about and I forgot. How about the resilience that we had? Remember, we, we lost to Texas. We got down 0-2 to Texas, and we had to fly to Arlington. And we had to yep. play two in Arlington, and we had to win both, and then come back to Toronto for one game. And I'll yep. never forget, after we dropped to Texas 0-2, we get on the flight, and you would have thought we just won. You would have thought we won both games. We just swept them at home. The confidence that we had was like, oh, okay, they might have got us twice, but we're going to get their ass these next two times and we came out on fire yep it literally felt that way uh and i actually pitched that that next game so it was the elimination game um and i knew i knew i swear i knew i was like man we're gonna score like 10 runs today like the way we got off the plane the way we acted after a lot 
like, we're going to destroy this team tomorrow. And sure enough, I mean, early on, I think it was it was a close game. Um, but then we ended up just coming out, swinging bats, and, yeah, scoring a bunch of runs. Yeah, um, and then the rest is history after that because we got – we caught absolute fire. Did it, did it ever bring you back, Marco, when you're going through those moments where you're pitching an elimination game, you know, and you're representing a whole country? Did it ever bring you back to, like, man, look how far I've come, I, dating back to my high school years, to my college years? Did, did you ever reminisce? Did you ever get a chance to kind of sit back? Or was it something that – was it now that you're, you're retired um, that you think about? Or were you ever, like, you know, on, on the plane or as you're walking out, are you like, man, I'm really – I'm pitching an elimination game. It's do or die, or my team gets goes home if I don't if I don't bring it today, or we we, we live to see another another day. Yeah, I'm, I was weird about that stuff. I, I never looked back and said, "Oh, the, the kid that could make you know varsity at a high school until his senior year." So I, I never really went back and thought of things like that until now. Now I look yeah. back and go, I, I didn't have it very easy. I, I had a tough road. Um, you know, got to work now, pissing some great games, had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, but, yeah, I never really looked back and reminisced about how, you know, things were so bad to you know, here I am now pitching the elimination game. Uh, and then I got even weirder during the playoffs. I never thought about any of that stuff. Like, the playoffs gave me – I needed more adrenaline, I guess, uh, because during the regular season I, I felt like I didn't have much going until the playoffs. And then the playoffs was like, oh, baby, I'm awake now. I feel great. Uh, but you forget, oh, we're down 0-2. No, I never thought about that stuff. I just kind of told myself, all right, I'm going to go out and, and try to deal today. And that's it. Damn. See, that's what the podcast is about. It's This is what we do. We reminisce. Now, all of a sudden, we're like, they did this, I did this, I did this. Because in the moment, as athletes, you guys are the 1% of the world. You can't be thinking about what happened 10 years ago or let alone 10 minutes ago. Because Tolly and Ricky and Marco, you guys got to get locked in on the site in front of you, right? But now you have a chance to breathe a little bit, and you're like, "Damn, I was badass!" Like, 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 like it's okay to say, "Damn!" Like, what did what did uh, Alan Trejo tell us? The rookie that has only been what twenty thousand major leaguers in the entire time, yeah. and like yeah. you guys, yeah. like how many billions of people have lived in this world? Like, it's amazing what you guys have accomplished, and that's why we love having the podcast. It's a chance for just to tell stories and kind of reminisce a little bit, like. Fuck, look where I got from, man. Like, like this is cool. Yeah. Now, Marco, it, for you, all right? I know you went to Dodger Stadium as a kid. The first time you went to Dodger Stadium as a pro, <laughs> how many people asked you for tickets? Yeah. Um, well, all my friends and family are really good about that. Uh, a lot of them just told me they were going to go. I don't know if they were expecting me to say, hey, I'll get you tickets. Um, but I did, and I learned my lesson when I first got called up. I had family out there in Washington, and they basically went to every game. And oh next thing God. I know, gone. And I'm going, wait a second. I didn't think it was going to get, like, this crazy. Um, so after that season, I kind of told everybody, hey, listen, I, I can do a couple here and there, but you can't expect me to keep doing this, you know? Um, so when I went to L.A., and play the Dodgers. Um, I had a lot of friends and family show up, but I only—I basically only gave tickets to family, and that was it. All right, but how? So when you get there, Ricky's told the yeah. story. Totally told the story. When you're in the outfield, people are yelling your name. You can't hear them, right? So everybody thinks you're stuck up all of a sudden, right? Yeah, no. So <laughs> it's hard. It's kind of empty. Uh, 
but it is it's really hard to, to hear anything um but i've got a kind of cool story so a huge huge fan you know i was a huge dodger fan uh even bigger fan of vince Coley. like this guy put me to bed so many nights just listening to the games it, it, i love his voice um so I'm, I'm talking to bob Uecker and because we were with uh, i was with uh, milwaukee i'm talking to bob Uecker and i'm telling him how i i, I love you Uecker. you're the man but vince coley i grew up listening to this guy like he's the man for me he's the legend this and that and he's like you want to meet him and i'm going dude like seriously would love to meet him he's like okay i'll see what i can do well sure enough i get to the locker and i'm thinking and at the time the place was not renovated so those oh, lockers yeah. were terrible yeah. yeah and i get there and out of the corner of my eye i see vince scully walk in and i swear i started shaking like i've never been starstruck that was the one and only time i was like in awe and Sure enough, Bob Uecker goes right to him, and I could hear everything. And he goes, "Yeah, I've got this kid from San Fernando Valley, huge fan, wants to meet you." And Vince goes, "Yeah, the kid from uh, San- the Silmar, Marco Estrada." And I was like, "No way, he knows my name." Like this is insane. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and you know, they come right over, and it's just getting worse and worse. I'm getting like anxiety. Talking about it right now, I'm getting like nervous. <laughs> I love that. And I, yeah, I got up, I shook his hand, and ah, oh, what, what an experience, you know, just meeting someone that you looked up to for so long, listening to his voice for years, and finally getting the, the chance to meet him. It was a special, special day. That's the only guy, and unlike like Marco, only guy I ever wish would have said my name. I never got to play at Dodger Stadium. That's the only guy I ever wish. I just wanted him to say my name out of East Los Angeles. The whole story, like, like Marco says, he knew who he was from – where he was from and all that, I want. I wanted that. Like I wanted it so bad, and I was like, every year when the schedule would come out, are we going to Dodger Stadium? No, I was like, golly. And then they, the year I got released, or two years later, they ended up coming. But I was like, God. But that, that was that was that was the guy I wanted too. Yeah, and Marco, that old uh, clubhouse was really really tiny. It was like a high school locker, gym locker, so it's real small. And also, I'll tell you this because as a reporter, we would hear stories about Ben doing stuff like that. You could probably set it up a day ahead because Vin would never go down into the clubhouses. So for him to go there, that's even more. He probably went just for you, man. Yeah, that, that's insane to think about. And Euchre, he's right up the, with Dude. Vin, he's the man. I, I've never seen this guy upset, ever. And I, I was there five years, and he was in the clubhouse every single day. Yeah. Now, upset about anything. Yeah, my buddy uh, Joe Block, who does the Pirates uh, radio now, was with the Brewers, and he worked with Euchre. And I'm, I'm Joe Block. Oh, Joe Block, the, the, he's the best. Great, good dude. Um, so I would, when Joe would come to town, because Joe used to do the Dodgers radio here, pre and post, so that's how I became friends. And he gets the Brewers job. And I was never one to be like, oh, let me go see somebody, because announcers. But I'm like, that's freaking Bob Euchre. That's Mr. Belvedere, right? I wanted to go by there. And I'm like, ah. And he's like, hey, uh, Bob said he'll meet you, but if he'll do it in the in the uh, dining room at Dodgers, in the press room. I'm like, cool, that's great. I didn't want a picture. I just want to introduce myself, say he's awesome. And as I'm doing that, I'm talking to Euchre, and Vin comes around, and all of a sudden, it's Vin, Euchre, and Fernando Valenzuela standing together, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then Jaime Harin comes through, and we're by the ice cream machine, and I'm like, I work for ESPN Radio. I have to, I have to do my first radio hit at, like, in five minutes. And I'm like, fuck, do I leave, or do I go do my job? And I'm just standing there, and I'm like, fuck, they're calling. I'm like, I just stood there. And it was Bob and, uh, and Vin just telling stories with Jaime and Fernando, and I'm just standing there like, 
fuck, I'm not leaving, bro. So I get a call from my boss. And I have to get, hey, you missed your hit. I'm like, I told him what happened. He's like, okay, that's the only time you can pull that card. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah, those, those, that's Freaking awesome. Right there. Holy smokes. That's awesome. Yeah, and he knew everything about you. He probably said Ciudad, Obregón, Mexico. He probably said all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that where you're, is that, that's where you're from, right? That's where your family's from? Yeah, yeah. Sonora, Mexico. Yeah. Did you ever play winter ball? What's that? Did you ever play winter ball? No. Uh, you know, I have a cousin out there right now. He's been playing. He loves it. He's having a blast. Um but I, I've been invited, well, basically every year that I played, I was invited out there. But, you know, as a starter, you just, once you're done, man, you're done. Uh, I don't know how people keep playing. I wasn't able to do it. So, you know, I, I haven't been able to get out there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Gallardo would always try to recruit you in, when you guys were, were in Milwaukee, right? Giovanni was a yeah, big part of the football teams. We would have guys come to us and be like, dude, like, here's your jersey. It's ready. You know, we're waiting for you. It's like, man, I, I can't. I threw 100 innings, 100, 200, whatever. <laughs> 50, like, I'm not going out there anymore. I'm tired. Hey. So, yeah. <laughs> Mark, Mark uh, in this group right here, guess who's the legend in Venezuela? In this group? Yeah. Well, I want to guess Romero, but. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on, Marco. You know better than that. <laughs> Holy that champion de Bateo. Oh, I knew this, yes. Yeah, I had to tell you. I had to tell you on the plane flight after a bottle of wine or something how good in Venezuela I was. You're right. I, I knew that. <laughs> hey, Marco, we're, hey, speaking – you know what? Some of my favorite stories are, are like in the clubhouse or on the on the plane flight. We were talking, and Marco Marco would love this, when, when me and BJ Upton would always go at it because of my wine suit. Remember that? <laughs> I had the Cabernet, the Cabernet wine suit. Well, I remember the, the rules started to change, and we were allowed to wear jeans and a nice shirt. Well, Tully, being the professional that he is, would still show up with this, this suit, man. And I because I was a big fan of wearing suit. Um, but, yeah, once they went away, guys would just pull you apart because you would wear this same suit yeah, I had the wine suit and the blueberry suit. I am. I was rocking them hard every trip. <laughs> B, BJ would be a good guy to get on here, man. I'd, I'd like to see him and you go at it. You'd laugh. Let me tell you, you'd laugh so damn hard. Oh, I mean, my stomach would hurt. I'd laugh so hard with that dude. He'd get me going. Oh, that's it, man. <laughs> Mark Marco, was this fun? Oh, so much fun. You guys are the best. Man. Right. All right. We're going to get you back on. We'll have you on. Like Now that you've actually done a legit interview with us and you're good and you realize we don't care anything about baseball currently, this is fun. I love it. Yeah. No, this is great. It's right, good so, to catch up. Yeah. So what are you up to now? Golfing. A lot of golfing. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm still working out. Not, not for baseball. Um, but I need something, right? I, I got to do something. So. I work out. I don't want to just sit on my couch. And so working out and, and golfing minimum once a week. So I'm, oh, wait, I'm come on, bro. You got to get on our level at least three. Yeah, these guys play like every other day. Half of the time they don't respond to me because they're on the court. They're at Torrey Pines or uh, all these fancy courses. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Ricky's retired. I got no job. So what are you going to do? 
I would if I could, but my back is still pretty oh. messed up. Yeah, it like I golf once and I'm hurting for two, three days. Oh, but really? It, it's still yeah. it's still that bad, huh? So yeah, it's gotten a lot better. Like I can get out of bed without any issues now. So that's a that's a positive. Um, but yeah, once I golf, it, it I'm struggling for a day or two. Um, and I Damn. tried the three days in a row last weekend. It was tough. Yeah, I had a rough, rough outing day two. Day three wasn't as bad. Day two was really bad. Before we let you go, before we let you go, I, I got two questions for you. One, um, who is the one hitter that comes to mind that just completely owned you? That you're just like, yeah, I still think about all all the shit I went through with versus this guy. Who's the one guy that just... It, and it's every, I actually have two guys. Um <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I, I can go on, but uh, the, the main guy I would say was Yadier Molina. Uh, I don't know if he had any home runs off of me, but I swear every time this guy came up, he just found a way. Uh, whether it was hard contact or weak contact, he he was finding a hole somewhere. And I didn't mind him with, you know, bases empty, whatever. Like, oh, well, you're just going to get a hit, a double max, no big deal. But it was with runners on, like, here we go. I'm going to be down to nothing now because this guy's <laughs> and he was impossible for me to get out until I got to Toronto and started like things changed a little and I finally did a little bit better against him. But before that, being in Milwaukee, facing him a million times, hated it. Yeah, yeah. In the division, that's probably the worst, huh? In the division, when a guy owns you, he completely. You, owned you, you. Yeah, you see him fifty times in a year. That was the worst. Uh, you- and then, what's that? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. I'll, I'll ask it. Starling Castro was different. Starling Castro hit a flare over second base every single game. And it got to a point I would tell the right fielder, hey, can you please play in? He's going to – I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to get a over two, one, two, and he's going to flare it right there. And still, they wouldn't move. And he would flare it right there. I swear he did it like three times a day I, I asked that. It might have been Batista that I asked to move, and he didn't do it. I don't remember who was playing right, but it was during Toronto days, and sure enough, here comes freaking Starlin, and right there, three times, three hits. Like, how many times have to, like, please just move over there. He's going to hit it over there. <laughs> it's all he did. I, I wish I could, like, go back and see how many of those flare hits he had. See, now with the shift, oh, he'd be out every single time. Be out every yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Do you want to know your numbers against the Yadier? Oh, is it 500? Four something? 600? Five, 519? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yadier, uh, in 27 at-bats, he had 14 hits. Uh, you did strike him out six times, though. Ooh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I do want to know, did we have an Estrada Tolly matchup? Uh, let me... I gotta, check let me scroll that. all yeah. the way down. He's waiting, He's waiting for it. I go like, <laughs> How many times would you have faced him, Tolly? No, I was with the Mets. He would have been with the Brewers. That would have been it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, even, I don't, I don't Tolly. I don't think I did. I, I don't even see Tolly's name on here. I must have been playing that day, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> Tolly had a day off. Tolly had a day off. Again? Again? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Marco, we like to uh, finish up with this. So, um, you know, you have a unique story. Everybody has a different path to whatever dream they may achieve. 
And, you know, totally signed out of high school. Ricky out of college, first rounder, you're a sixth rounder who didn't even know he got drafted. Yet, as you said, you didn't know at a high school what to do. Best advice you would have for high school Marco Estrada? Well, well, the one thing that just kept me going was, you know, I, I grew up with a single parent, just my mom and I, no siblings, nothing. So I knew I, I had something to work for and I had to become something no matter which route I would have taken. But I knew whatever route I was trying to get to, I wasn't going to give up. And in high school, I was told no numerous years, didn't care. I knew baseball was a way for me to get college paid for. So I started with small goals. And then obviously the end goal was the biggest, and I'm glad I was able to do it. But I always started with small goals, and I pushed as hard as I could. No matter how many times I heard no, I just I didn't give up. And and I know it's so cliche. Everybody says the same. They never give up. But I'm I'm telling you, if, if you want to do something, anybody can do it. If you just push hard enough and you can't take no for an answer. And I heard more than anybody. I promise you guys, it was a constant no reminder. And I didn't care. I just pushed, pushed, pushed. And, you know, ended up getting to where I am now. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, we do have an update. Estrada versus Tolly. Uh, Tolly, do you remember it? Marco, do you remember? It happened one time. Once. Once. Estrada versus Tolly. Punch out. I wish we can really run tape on that at bat. Hey, that's fake news. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. hold on. Let me, just, let me just clarify. Yeah. Hold on. It's one at bat. Let me just clarify. It was a punch out. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wrong category on baseball reference. Yeah, flew out to the track. Walk. That's about right. (laughs) Especially my Mets days, Marco. Just ass out, flipping balls, foul, 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 foul. Most guys are like, hell with it. Go stand your fat ass on first base. You're not stealing anyways. (laughs) It's all right. You know what I remember is in spring training, I face you, and you hit a rocket to right. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was an out. You hit it pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, I, I threw you fastballs. I was like, whatever. Let him get himself out of spring chain. And then I threw yeah. you changes. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably real. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this was good. This was good. Ricky's been wanting to get you on for a while, man. We appreciate you, Marco. Uh, we'll have you yeah, back on you, in a Marco. couple months, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on, brother. Thanks, oh, thank Marco. You. That was awesome. Good to see you again, too, man. Good seeing you guys. Good seeing you, Tolly, Ricky, man. You guys are the best. Uh, and if you guys are ever in Arizona. Or- yeah, we're going. Yeah. We're in a- yeah. Our, our, our golf clubs travel. We will go there. Uh, we, we, we'll we be there. We'll take care of you. Marco, appreciate it. And uh, when we go, maybe I'll take you to LAUSD Chalupa or something, man. We'll, we'll take care of you, bro. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, it's Tapatio. No Chalupa. Hey. Uh, see, this is a this is a good kid right here. All right, Marco Estrada, appreciate it. We'll t- don't, don't forget the LSUSD coffee cake either. Hey, uh, uh, let's go. <laughs> totally has no idea. All right, Marco, just hang up and then uh, you're good to go, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon, Marco. Thank you. See you, Marco. Yeah. What a dude right there. What a dude, man. You're right. You're right, Ricky. You're like I've been wanting to get this guy for a while, and then we got him finally. And uh, just a good dude. He uh, opened up, 
and some good stories. He's great. Oh, he's so funny. He'd laugh your ass off. He'd get telling stories after a bottle of wine. He he just he, he's an unbelievable human being, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, no, he really is. He and like I said, I, I knew him a little bit. I knew a bit of his story. I didn't get to play with him, but I really always enjoyed watching him pitch because he went out there and pitched. And it was it was it was a, a, a thing of beauty, a, you know, it was like a thing of art. You know, this guy could paint every corner, he can throw a high fastball whenever he wanted to, and then that changeup, it was just as Tolly knows, it was one of the nastiest changeups in the league and it was unhittable. Like he said, he could have told hitters it was coming and, and they, they would still have no clue. And and again, we talk about what's missing in today's game. We see a lot of hard throwers and this and that, but to me, that a guy going out there grinding for seven, eight innings with the stuff that he had, he made the most of it. And he really didn't care. The guy probably acted like he was throwing 100 miles per hour. He knew he was confident in himself. He was going to go out there and get the job done. Yeah. You know what? He, he had absolutely huge balls on the mound. Like, yeah. he, and he had, like, he said it. He's like, I wasn't going to overpower anybody. I had a pitch, but he'd come right after that. There was no way back and down. Yeah, that was really yeah. cool. Thanks, everybody. Uh, waited and listen around make sure you guys share the podcast a like uh go to the instagram page let's go ricky road tag that you're watching leave the comments on itunes i do see them on itunes spotify and also on instagram do you have something rick yeah yeah i was gonna say i i like hearing those even though it's it's uh, bittersweet for me hearing those 15 16 stories just because toronto has a soft spot in my heart and and just hearing these guys tell those stories it just it almost makes me feel like i was in that, it makes me feel like I was in that clubhouse, you know, yeah. and, and these guys reminiscing, and I'm and kind of pumps me up just to, to listen to it again. I, I wish I would have been a part of it. Um, whether it was like, like Tom said, he was a he was in on the roster in the playoffs, but it's still he still made it fun for himself and, and being part of that team. Like, I'm like, man, I wish I would have had surgery and just you know, and and just kind of if I was on the DL, been there and seen it all and experienced it all, I, I, you know, anything, you know, and, and, and it, it hurts a little bit, but it's cool that, that I get to live it through these guys and, and, and that moment, those special moments that the Blue Jays had during that time. Well, me as a, a guy who lives in LA, I remember watching that game going, damn, that's cool. Joy Betts had the big, now having heard from Betts and heard from different guys, heard the, the stories like, damn, you, you like, you want to like, I go back every now and then on YouTube, just type in yeah. at bat because every, I'll do it again too, because now I'm looking Okay, Marco was in the bathroom when he hit that home run. Like, how crazy yeah. is that? It, it's it's crazy because I feel like every guy was obviously you're not sitting on top of each other, so every guy was doing something. Yeah. You know, only whether it was totally somewhere in the dugout, Tulo maybe somewhere else in the dugout, Estrada in the in the clubhouse, and all that stuff. I, I it's cool because everyone is very unique in, in in sharing their story of that moment. Yeah, Marco was awesome. And Ricky, I noticed that you wore your Cal State Fullerton shirt today when uh, Long Beach guy came on. Oh, dude, I didn't even – I noticed it like halfway through. I, I seriously, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Love it we, they need a new head coach. They need a new head coach. Yeah. Uh, coach totally. Just hired. I'm for hire. I'm for hire. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll come, come live in the OC, man. Yeah, I was uh, I was waiting for him to start talking about Long Beach, but he never did. I was ready, Rick. I had my Long Beach shirt ready to go for uh, you. I knew you would. I knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> No, yeah, but I mean, it, 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 honestly, like those 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 years of, of college yeah. baseball, you know, Beto, you you remember them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and going to Blair Field, it was packed stadium. I I, I feel like the rivalry's missing that yeah. a bit nowadays, but it was like legit full stadiums Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we had some fun matchups against those guys. And you know, um, 
obviously things change sometimes in the program and being a Cal State Fullerton alumni, I hope they bring in somebody that, that, uh, that gets that program back to where it needs to be. Coach Vanderhoek had a great career there and, you know, he was, he's always treated me really, really good. And, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. So I wish him the best. Yeah, it'd be, it's a damn good program out there in Fullerton. All right, let me look, read some comments to you guys from uh, Instagram. E Holmes 908 said, this is awesome. I can't wait to hear Marco with you guys. This is from the earlier. Pantor4, who supports us a lot. Derek, uh, Marco always struck me as a good interview. Uh, look forward to hearing it. And, like, in the beginning, he was very professional, right? Because like, nobody knows what to expect <laughs> with us. Oh, yeah, they're talking. And then after it's like, man, fuck all that. Fuck the humble. Let's go. Let's just go right there. And you see how they open up totally, right? It, it just, yeah. boom. Yeah. yeah, Marco. Marco's much like Tua, same way. Very reserved, very quiet. Won't yeah. say anything. You get him in a one-on-one environment, like you said, whether it's like on the plane or in the clubhouse having beers, talking about the game. He opens up. But yeah. you he get into good. an environment like this, most dudes are just yeah. Everybody's like a little timid. But yeah, once you once they get comfortable, it's on like Donkey Kong. I tell yeah, you that. once he was like yeah, this and that. And I like how he was like, man, they didn't buy me a suit. Like hell yeah, hold that grudge, bro. Yeah. Hold that <laughs> grudge. Right. Here's a here's a Here's a comment that came in from uh, Terry Mack. It said, this is the first podcast I've listened to and I'm now hooked. I have a 13-year-old that plays travel ball and is a good player, but could be great. He struggles with the mental part of the game, which I'm guessing is a huge part. He's very hard on himself and it shows in his body language. I've talked to him many times, but sometimes I think kids just don't want to hear from mom and dad. I let him know it's a game and he should be having fun out there with his friends. Any advice for a kid on the mental part of the game? Keep up the great work. Thank you, guys. I do. I actually just had a long conversation with one of my high school kids about this. Um, you know, one thing that I remember is it took me a while because I got drafted. Like, for example, Ricky goes to college. I'm in high school. so It took me a while to mature into professional baseball. And I remember realizing how hard this game was when I got into professional baseball. And Gary Carter was a guy that was like very, he, he was my first manager. And he was very, um, he, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but what he, he sat me down and said, you're going to struggle. You're going to have bad days. Don't worry about it. Number one, make fun of yourself. Number two, every day is a new day. And those, those two things, I think, and I think it happens with young kids because they don't, they don't let it go. They just, they hold on to it and they feel the pressure of mom and dad. But when you, if you can make fun of yourself and if you can move on day to day, I think that's what, that's what alleviates the pressure of the mental side of the game. Yeah. And it's true. And, and for me, it's don't make things a bigger deal than what they really are. It really is not the, end of the world. It really isn't. You know, I mean, you, you play the game, you go out there, you have fun. It's cliche, but it really, it, it's as simple as that. For me, where I fell, um, where I, the trap that I fell into in my career was that I made things a bigger deal than they, what they really were. If I went and had a bad outing, it was like the end of the world. It, yeah. So I know exactly what, he, what he's talking about, what he's going through. And when I had a chance to really reflect on it and look back, it was, why did I make a big deal out of something that wasn't that big of a deal? Hmm. And, and. Sometimes that drains you mentally, physically, and, and, and you start trying. You start trying. You start trying to be good. You start trying. The minute you start trying, it's, it, it doesn't go your way. It's like things have to come to you. 
and and just go out there and 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 forget about it. I mean, once once one outing is done, it's it's on to the next game, and that's it. And and just go out there and have fun, trusting your abilities, and everything else is going to take care for itself. Once once you're on that on that in that batter's box or on that mound, once a pitcher releases the ball, there's nothing you can do as a pitcher. You know, you don't control what's going to happen, what the hitter is going to do. Same with the hitter. Once he hits, puts the ball in play. I mean, he doesn't control what the infielders or outfielders are going to do. So you go out there and you have fun and you, and you just enjoy the game. It sounds simple, but and it is. It's hard to do. No, it's hard to do. It's hard, it's hard, hard to do, dude. It, I mean, thirteen is a is a little like. There's the pre. I think it's more the pressure of the teammates, the mom and dads, the coaches. It, it, it's more that pressure, right? And I'm a big advocate. And you, could, my, I wish my nine year old was standing here because I push the. Every day is a new day. When you're horseshit, you're horseshit. Just laugh it off. Mm-hmm. And he did. And I was so proud of him because the other day he went 0 for 3, a weak ground ball to the pitcher, and two just absolute horseshit at bat punch outs. And he gets in the truck, and I don't say anything. He's like, hey, what you, you think tonight there, bud? He says to me, he goes, uh, he starts chuckling. He goes, well, that was pretty bad, huh? <laughs> and he started laughing. I said, yeah, that was bad. No, I said, that was, that was shitty. That was, you're right. It was bad. So, um, he says, well, Dad, he says, we play tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. First at bat of the next day, punched out. So he said, oh, shit. Now it starts snowballing, right? Now it's like, uh-oh, the wheels are turning. Now the kid put together a great at bat. His next at bat hit a double. And then you can see the pressure relieve off of him. But my point that I'm trying to make is most kids would let it snowball because they're so uptight of what's mom and dad going to think? What's my coach is going to think? Oh, my God, I'm not going to play. No, this game is too hard. You're going to play. If you're good, you're going to play. And you just have to you, you just take one at bat at a time and enjoy yourself. Because let me tell you, it doesn't get any easier. No. Enjoy it while you're 13. The chick gets really hard. Yeah. As you get older. It, it's true. I mean, nobody, nobody's – there's no cameras in front of you. There's no – so why make it a big deal? You know, like, like, like Josh is saying, there's the next day is a new day and it's a chance for you to get better. Either – Either you get better or you're going to be left behind. Simple as yeah, that. Try, and I, mean, I, mean, I, got booed, I got booed by 40,000 of my own fans, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know how hard that is? That's demoralizing. Hey, huh? That's talent. That's it talent. Really, it wasn't, it wasn't 40,000, but I got booed plenty of times in Toronto in 2012, and I'll never forget those moments. And they're, they're shitty. They make you feel shitty. You feel like you just want to crumble into a little hole and, and, and just never come out again because you're like, I'm not trying to suck. You know, I'm not trying. I'm I'm. I'm I'm trying to, uh, you know, put on put on a show for you guys, and um, it's not fun. But at the same time, like I said, when I had a chance to realize it and sit back after I retired, I was like, it wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah, the numbers weren't there, and, and uh, shit didn't go my way. But maybe if I wasn't so hard on myself, I could have probably lasted a little longer. In my career. You know, it's funny, right? Yeah, you're right. It's funny though. It's like the Blue Jays. In Toronto is when I got booed. I was catching RA and I was having the knuckleball was moving all over the place. So I'm running to the backstop, and there was a guy like three rows up above home plate, and he's just berating me the entire game and boo and going crazy. And after about the fourth knuckleball that got by me, I'm running back to get the ball, and he is like leaned over screaming at me. And I don't like to use the F word on here, but I tell you, I looked up at the guy. I got the ball. I called time. Looked up at the guy, and I said, "You catch the fucking thing like that." And it made me so, so good. I said, "Yeah, you catch the damn thing." I was so pissed off. I was like, 
what the hell, dude? Like, it's yeah. like I'm, I'm catching a dude that throws a knuckleball. What do you want me to do? You know, and, I, like, I, and we understand as professional athletes that once did it, you understand that fans are going to boo, they're going to cheer, they're going to do whatever they want. You don't have any control over that. But um, yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing worse than when you're struggling and you're trying to do your best at it, and it's like not going your way, and it's like it just the, the pressure of it just continues to amount, and you're just like, all right, what do I do here, you know? And um, yeah. Yell, yeah, at, yell back at him. Yeah. Two Just, hours of berating. Two hours of berating. I'm coming at you. I'll yeah. tell you that. Just yeah. remember, and, and, baseball's easy from the podcast host. It exactly. really is. Yeah, and and, and it really yeah. comes down down to this as cliche as it sounds. Baseball is a game of failure. It really is. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't change at whatever level you're at. It doesn't change. And and the the quicker you realize that, hey, if I go for four, I know I'm gonna come back the next day and 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 put good up ABs, and if it doesn't go my way, you got to look at some positive and then just build off of that. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, every week is a positive because we continue to get better and better on the Let's Go Ricky Roll with Josh Tolley podcast. We're here for you every single week. Uh, I, hold on. I, actually, i got to figure something out. Are we having a show next week? Because I might be busy golfing. Oh, you got to golf. My, 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 new, my new friend Marco Estrada said come out to Arizona. Hook, uh, <laughs> line, and sinker. Yeah, you know. No, we, I am available next week. Um, um yeah next tuesday uh next wednesday is a big day for me um you know we're uh we're cutting the babies off so um wish me luck on that so it should be fun to do that you know <laughs> wait you're doing what uh the romero team is set it's officially right. over. it's gonna be officially over yeah. Oh, I got it. Okay, I got yeah. it. Easy, so, easy. Piece of cake. Yeah. So one of hey. those one of those kids better be a stud. Done it already? Yeah, I've done it. I've done it right away. Isn't it? That's just reason now. Hey, uh, piece of cake. Uh, let me tell you a great story. I was partying. Oh, please do. I, it was my night before I was going in, and uh, you know Ricky, you know Jamie McGinn. He was playing for the Avalanche at the time. And they had some party going on. So I go over to Jamie's apartment and Danny Breer was there who was playing for the abs at the time. And he had like five kids. So, yeah, I got it done. He says, listen, one thing when it happens is you're going to smell a burning sensation. So I think, oh, okay. All right. Well, you kind of brushed it off, right? Well, you smell a burning sensation. So just brace yourself for that, Rick. It's uh <laughs> I, if I was you, I was ready to go. I, I was fine the next day, but I milked this thing for the seven days that the doctor told me. Um, Damn, your doctor, nice. the doctor said in two days I'd be ready. Yeah. No, tell him seven so you can hang out for like a few extra days, laying on the couch, watching some TV. Oh, I already read the, the paper that they gave me. Oh, was like, yeah, man. Yeah, dude. I, 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 new doctor, new doctor. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, we could. Can we do a live showing, Ricky, while you do no. that? No. <laughs> Why? Just for the fans. They love it. Yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody has ever done that. I can guarantee it. For that. a reason. You, <laughs> you don't need to see it. Anyway. I don't even, I don't even no. like, yeah, just yeah. talking to the doctor it, about it. That guy, is, he made it so easy. So I'm just going in. He's like, follow my directions, and you'll be good. Our friend Ruben Polanco says it's gonna smell like burnt tortillas. Exactly. All right, uh, we will have a show. We'll have a show next week. Uh, just to give you guys an update on me, Friday I'm gonna give the commencement speech at my high school. 
they they comment and I'm like, are you serious? Like me? And they're here's the first thing they are said. The full suit and everything. They're gonna give you a capping gown and everything. And I'm like, how am I who didn't graduate college, barely got out of junior college, gonna be telling these kids? I'm like, oh, fuck. so I gotta fake it. And then they tell me, um, can you keep it real short? And then all my friends that are teachers there, they're like, dude, you're the commencement speaker. What the fuck? That's all we got. <laughs> That's our best vault right now. Oh, jeez. Hey, well, congratulations, man. That's fun. I mean, you're probably going to rip it to every kid. I oh, no. Really I'll be like, you too can dream. You can also do a podcast from your garage. No problem. Yeah. No problem. And while you're doing it, listen to our podcast. <laughs> All right. Another edition All of the right, Let's Go right. Ricky Row. We'll talk to you guys next week. Farmer Tolly, best of luck. Ricky, I'll talk to you later. See you later, guys. See ya.